Hi, I'm Rach. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Here podcast. And today we'll be talking about the Corinthian. Hey, Rach, how are you? I'm good, thank you. We're at the end of the school holidays, which I am grateful for. <laughs> um, <laughs> the start of the holidays, you think, oh, okay, that's that's term over. Um, we can all relax. And then at the end, it's like, oh, please, they need to go back to school now. <laughs> I, I feel for you. I, I imagine that's tough. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Um, I just had a Biscoff brownie. Oh. Uh, my friend sent me brownies to say thank you for looking over some paperwork. Honestly, it took me five minutes. I do not need brownies for that, but I was very grateful. It was nice. Not going to say no, hey? I'm not. Um, I put some shelves up. Oh, I helped put some shelves up, which means <laughs> that my books, after about three years, are finally out of cardboard boxes. So they're all up. Um, my Georgia Hayes are obviously ordered in terms of the order that we've done them in the podcast. Oh, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also booked holiday to Iceland. Have you? Brilliant. Where? Yeah. Reykjavik? All around. We're, we're going on the ring road all the way around. Oh, that should be amazing. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to Iceland. Yeah, I hear good things. Yeah. On the downside, I did get um, a shuttlecock smashed into my face. By your dad? No. No, he was nearby. I told him about it afterwards. And the first thing he said to me was, yeah, you must have been in the wrong place. <laughs> That's helpful, isn't it? Oh, thanks. <laughs> I didn't cry, though. Did, have you got a bruise on your in the nose, is it? No, it was on the eyebrow. It did mark. But, um, mm. but yeah, I was playing with people I hadn't played with before, all men. And I think they looked at me a bit like, oh, God, please don't cry. Please don't cry. And mm. I didn't. So it together. Yeah, it was all fine. Okay. <laughs> it's, you know, part of the sport. But anyway, right. let's go. I mean, oh, hold on. The Corinthian, mm. me playing badminton, it's a perfect. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, Rach, I am comparing myself to a Corinthian. Okay. Okay. Okay, I thought, I thought you were. I thought you were. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I will begin with a summary. So Richard Wyndham, Corinthian with a hidden romantic streak, stumbles upon young Penelope Creed escaping from a window and drunkenly agrees to help her flee a fish-faced suitor. Despite soon becoming embroiled in the theft of a diamond necklace and murder, he doesn't regret his hasty decision, because he's met his match in a partner who ensures his life will never be dull again. So what did you think, Sue? Um, I enjoyed it very much, and I think especially because it came straight after The Spanish Bride. Yeah, I, I, when I was, as soon as I started reading, I was like, oh, this is this is a lovely little bit of light relief after the yeah, ride. Like a genuine palate cleanser. Yeah, it felt like we were sort of like properly back home with yes. Georgia Hayer again, didn't it? It's like, so it's just, it was you know, fairly formulaic, but what exactly what we come to Hayer for, I think. Yes, and I think actually there were, there were a few points in reading this that it reminded me of other Hayer books, because I think mm. Sir Wyndham, Sir Richard Wyndham is quite an Alverstoke Bomaris type of hero you know where yeah, you're definitely. privileged to the point of extreme boredom and a bit jaded and he needs a woman to shake him up and then when he's very keen to go on this adventure because he feels a bit hemmed in by his life then it kind of gives you shades of the foundling doesn't it yeah yeah he's sort of yeah trying to break away from the, the boredom of his life and then in his partner he um, has that sort of release from boredom which you get with a lot of our our heroes I think yeah yeah um so to go back to the beginning a little bit, he's one of those characters as well that we meet, we hear about before we meet him because his family are talking about him and how he's mm. impervious to every female charm. 
And then he arrives on this scene and there's this great description of yeah. perfection. Are you going to read that one? Yeah. Um, he was a very notable Corinthian, from his windswept hair, most difficult of all styles to achieve, to the toes of his gleaming Hessians. He might have posed as an advertisement for the man of fashion. His fine shoulders set off a coat of superfine cloth to perfection. His cravat, which had excited George's admiration, had been arranged by the hands of a master. His waistcoat was chosen with a nice eye. His biscuit-coloured pantaloons showed not one crease, and his hessians with their jaunty gold tassels had not only been made for him by Hobie, but were polished, George suspected, with a blacking mixed with champagne. A quizzing glass on a black ribbon hung around his neck, a fob at his waist, and in one hand he carried a serve snuffbox. His air proclaimed its unutterable boredom, but no tailoring, no amount of studied nonchalance could conceal the muscle in his thighs or his strength of shoulders. Above the starch points of his shirt collar, a weary, handsome face showed its owner's disillusionment. Heavy lids drooped over grey eyes, which were intelligent enough, but only to observe the vanities of the world. The smile which just touched that resolute mouth seemed to mock the follies of Sir Richard's fellow men. That's a great description, isn't it? And we love, we love a muscly thigh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the only part I tune in for. You really get the feeling that Hayer likes a muscular thigh. We, we always get, we always hear about our muscular thighs in our heroes. Yeah. I'm st- I think I'm still waiting for the moment where the hero leisurely rests his shapely hand on a muscular thigh. Yeah. It's probably in there somewhere. This is my favourite kind of hero, I think. Yeah. One that is, you know, he, he's, a, he's a man of fashion, but he has... He's a, you know, he has strength underneath that, um, that facade, and um, that mm. sort of looks at the world um, with, uh, with, you know, boredom and a little bit askance. Love it. But I think you know, if you really want to know what somebody's like, the darker side, you ask his sister to describe him. So I've, I've got Louisa, his <laughs> sister Louisa, describing him here. Um, I was about to add that you often spoil everything by your odd humours. I do not know how you should expect to engage a female's affection when you never bestow the least distinguishing notice upon any woman. I do not say that you are uncivil, but there is a languor, a reserve in your manner, which must repel a woman of sensibility. I am a hopeless case indeed, said Sir Richard. If you want to know what I think, which I do not suppose you do, so you need not tell me so, it is that you are spoiled, Richard. You have too much money, you have done everything you wish to do before you are out of your twenties, you have been courted by matchmaking mamas, fawned on by toadies, and indulged by all the world. The end of it is that you are bored to death. There, I've said it, and though you may not thank me for it, you will admit that I am right. Quite right, agreed Sir Richard. Hideously right, Louisa. Which is, is a good, um, you know, very nice of him to acknowledge. Yeah, but I think he does have, like, a bit of insight into his own yeah. uh, um, weakness or... Um, yeah that that he is a the embodiment of things that he of everything that he finds uh, boring and um mm. uh yeah about the world about the time and his disillusionment with it yes but and that's kind of related to this romantic streak he has isn't it because his family are pressuring him to propose to Melissa Brandon who's their, their families are sort of you know go way back um and she is under the expectation that he will propose 
and uh, and in doing so rescue her whole incredibly messy family from financial ruin. Um, but he, when he goes to speak to her, they have a very frank conversation about what marriage means to them. And there's a nice line where he talks about his hopes. I've got that here. So Sir Richard says, I fear, said Sir Richard, that I must be very romantic. I suppose you're jesting again, she replied, with a faint shrug. Not at all. I am so romantic that I indulge my fancy with the thought of some woman, doubtless mythical, who might desire to marry me, not because I'm a very rich man, but because, you'll have to forgive the vulgarity, because she loved me. So you're like, oh, that's yeah. really lovely. He's he's jaded and bored with the world, but he does know that he wants he wants love. He does. And, and for her part, like so there's a bit where um where he says and were you in the expectation of me offering for mm. you? Have, have you have you been waiting to wait for me? And she says yes, but without meeting his eye, which which makes me feel like she mm. Um, she doesn't. So she, she's mar- you know, she's marrying him now because she absolutely has to because her family's mm. in ruin. But mm. she hasn't been waiting around for this offer for ages and ages and ages. It was sort of a vague expectation, but um, you know, her heart's definitely not in it. And and also, you've got the feeling that it, it she's only really been pressured into it by this her family's current circumstances. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because I think yeah, I think at one point she says that the only she is compelled to marry him nothing else would compel her to marry him apart from the fact that her family needs bathing out and you're thinking she does want to get married what is it about him he seems to be held up as every kind of ideal so what was she hoping for because she doesn't want romantic love in a relationship no yeah i think i think she was always expecting to marry him but yeah, yeah i don't know she's she's an odd one isn't she She's not one. I think she just doesn't. Yeah, she. Um, we don't need to worry she, about her though. She's not our heroine. She comes in and out very quickly of the whole thing, doesn't she? She'll probably marry some t- stuck-up old man, and you know, she'll be alright. Yeah, I was trying to d- decide whether I feel bad for her, um, <laughs> because because whatever, she, she, her, you know, she she hasn't she's not heart she's not going to be heartbroken mm. by by not marrying Richard, but she no, because she doesn't um, have a heart. Well, she doesn't have a heart, but but. She definitely was in the expectation of doing so. So mm. you know, when he came to after he came to visit her, so um, I don't know. Yeah, I can imagine embarrassment being more of a factor for her, like the humiliation of perhaps other people of expecting other people expecting yeah. him to propose and and him not following. She wouldn't really that. want for anyone, but um, no, you know, it is a, it is, um, it, it's accepted because in this story because um, it, it lets our our hero and heroine um, yeah. come together. And I think it's clear that our hero hadn't made any promises, so we're good. No. Um, but he does he does find that conversation. I think the whole situation he's in, where he has to, he's he's kind of psyching himself up, isn't he, for the fact that yeah, he is going to have to marry this incredibly cold woman. Um, so yeah. he goes off and does what so many people would do, and just get really drunk, gets, drunk. gets hammered. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, on his way home, yeah. adventure happens. Yeah, he does. But I do like this bit where um, they, um, where he, where he's sort of walking home and he sort of, he wanders to, in his drunken state, he wanders to Brit Street. Mm. Um, and there's this bit, oh, let me find it. 
Somewhere in the recesses of his brain, Sir Richard was aware that he was the unluckiest dog alive. He felt very bitter about this, as though all the world were in a league against him. And as he branched off erratically down a quiet side street, he was cynically sorry for himself. That in ten years spent in the best circles, he had not had the common good fortune to meet one female whose charms had cost him a single hour's sleep. It did not seem probable that he would be more fortunate in the future, which I suppose, remarked Sir Richard, to one of the new gas lamps, is a <laughs> is a consummation devoutly to be wished, since I'm about to offer for Melissa Brandon. <laughs> so that's quite a statement, isn't it? So he, he's feeling bitter. He's wandering around feeling bitter. Um, he mm. really doesn't like his bride-to-be. Um, and so he, he is in this state when um, Providence <laughs> comes along in the mm. form of Penn Creed. Oh, you know what, Rach? I'm going to interject there because mm. there's a line where he says, do you know Penn Creed? I fancy you've come into my life in the guise of Providence. She looked up inquiringly. Have I? She said doubtfully. That or disaster, said Richard. I shall know when I'm sober. <laughs> um, so she literally falls into his life. <laughs> yeah. Um, trying to get down um, from her window on a um, bed sheets that, are, that, mm-hmm. that she's tied together but not quite um, long enough to reach mm-hmm. the ground uh, which is a great first meeting isn't it yes yes I, I like the fact that um, I think she's a little bit worried about going off with him into the night funnily enough and he says something like I'm old enough to be your father and and she's <laughs> 17 and he's nearly 30 which after the the Spanish bride feels absolutely fine, but in any other context probably isn't. Um, and he's too drunk to work out whether he's old enough to be her father. Thinking, yeah, exactly. or he says something like, "Don't make me do maths." And, um, yeah, yeah. You're thinking, "Wow, he's he's talking to lampposts. He can't do basic arithmetic. He he is horribly drunk." But um, he sees in her this chance at adventure, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And she, you know, yeah, she doesn't want to go with him at first, but he can't. He, he doesn't you know she pleads with him not to take her back to her aunt mm. to, to her aunt um so he's between well I don't really want to do that and so what am I going to do so he decides to help her yes um, because she has a plan it's not a good plan but she has a plan she wants to go to her childhood home or the village um where Piers Luttrell her childhood friend um lives because they'd made some sort of loose arrangement to get married at some point in the future, many, many years ago when they were children, I think. Um, so she's like, okay, cool. I'll go and find Piers and, um, and marry him. Problem solved. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so Richard agrees to to escort her to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, first going to his house to cut her hair, which is mm. um, was a fatal mistake of leaving some of her hair in the room. So that... <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and then balls the stage. And I do like that bit where he wakes up on the stage oh the the hangover description is so good let's have a look at that so yeah he wakes up on the stage his head was aching his eyeballs seemed to be on fire and a phantasmagoria of strange unwelcome faces swam before his outraged vision he had shut his eyes again with a groan preferring his dreams to reality but when the coach stopped at calcott green to put down a stout woman with a tendency to asthma sleep finally deserted him and he opened his eyes, blinked at the face of a precise-looking man in a suit of neat black, seated opposite him, ejaculated, oh my God, and sat up. So yeah. Uh, We've all been there. 
and yeah. um that's that that is a great description and it's like oh my god what have i done do you think it's better a, a worse hangover than that time that you woke up hungover and you <laughs> nearly vomited again because your your facial cleanser smelled of alcohol and you just couldn't handle it um it, well um in terms of how much it affected my life i think he's probably <laughs> winning that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah a similar a similar type of feeling I imagine oh yeah I mean being on a on a coach yeah wow I imagine a, the coach doesn't smell good either like nope. it's gonna be bad isn't it there's a lot there's a there's quite a lot of people crammed into what I imagine is quite a small space probably pretty hot as well Rach pretty hot um people didn't cleanse as much in those days Mm-mm. it's gonna be bad it's gonna be bad yeah but he says and I like this line Sober, he would certainly not have set forth on this absurd journey, but having done so, drunk, he was perfectly willing to continue it. So yeah, no regrets, he's on his little adventure. Let's get back to Penn for a second, though, or Penelope. Oh, yes. There's a nice description of her sort Mm. of initial, her physical appearance and sort of that, the initial impact that had on Sir Richard. So... She had taken off her hat and was standing in the middle of the room, looking interestedly about her. Her hair, which was clustered in feathery curls on the top of her head and was somewhat raggedly cut at the back, was guinea gold. Her eyes were a deep blue, very large and trustful, and apt at any moment to twinkle with merriment. She had a short little nose, slightly freckled, a most decided chin and a pair of dimples. Sir Richard, critically observing her, was unimpressed by these charms. He said, you look the most complete urchin indeed. So I think I think that's probably the point that he um, maybe cuts her hair and then shows her how to do yeah. a cravat. I'd love someone yeah. to show me how to do a cravat. But she's lovely, Pen, isn't she? Yeah, she is lovely. She's lovely, and she's an interest. She's quite an interesting mix, isn't she? Of um, quite innocent mm. because she doesn't think of her situ- you know the situation she's in yeah. or um, yeah the bad situation she's potentially in. Mm. Uh, she's quite innocent and and young. But she's also she's incredibly resourceful, and she's very bright, isn't she? She's she's intelligent. Yeah. She's yeah. just not necessarily got a lot of um, worldly sense. Um, but yeah, but she's but she's certainly resourceful. So she's a great character. I think she's also got a good sense of humour. The, the bit that stands out for me particularly is when she's teasing Piers about all the pets that Miss Daubeny might bring with her when she elopes. So yeah. sort of parrots, lapdogs, lovebirds doves i think um she's not she's not impressed in general with um and she doesn't think much of her intelligence yeah it's lovely seeing that that contrast between miss daubeny and pen pen is very much a go-getter you know there was an issue in her life she sat on an adventure to kind of you know shape her own destiny with whereas miss daubeny just sort of faints and uh i mean she did see someone murdered to be fair that must have been quite unpleasant but um yeah miss daubeny is a a different kettle of fish altogether isn't she yeah i do quite like in this um this story how you get these little um indications as you go through that Mm -hmm. they both uh their feelings for each other are starting to strengthen yeah and change and you don't necessarily you don't necessarily hear their thoughts certainly to begin with because mm. obviously in some books you 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 have a 
a section where you hear what they're thinking but you do get some of that later on but you first you get these little hints that they like mm. that he's starting they're starting to like each other especially Sir Richard where yeah. he says you know there's little bits like oh I um they're talking they're having conversations she's being pen he said you know I, I thought I knew your sex so you you start to get a little indication oh he thinks she's you know completely different type of woman yeah and is starting to feel differently yeah and you um, you get pen sort of blushing every now and again don't you but it, it's yeah. it's very subtle and then um Richard meets up with Beverly Brandon so Melissa Brandon's brother and he says just very boldly I'm, I'm not going to marry your sister and you're thinking oh okay at this point he's made that decision yeah yeah yeah. And then Penn gets um, jealous of Richard because he comes upon her, I, I think, just trying to help Miss Daubeny off the ground when she's fainted after seeing the murder. And Penn accuses him of hugging her. Um, yeah. So she doesn't yeah. like that. I think even before that, though, um, um, he's going to meet Beverly. Mm. Shall I come with you when you go to meet your stammering man? No, answered Sir Richard, not mincing matters. I thought you would say that. I wish I, re- I really were a man. I still should not take you with me. But then you would be very selfish and disagreeable and altogether abominable, declared Penn roundly. I think I am, reflected Sir Richard, recalling his sister's homily. The large eyes softened instantly, and as they scanned Sir Richard's face, a slight flush mounted to Penn's cheeks. She bent over her plate again, saying in a gruff little voice, No, you are not. You are very kind and obliging. Oh. And I'm sorry I teased you. Sir Richard looked at her. He seemed to be about to speak, but she forestalled him, adding buoyantly, And when I tell Piers how well you've looked after me, he will be most grateful to you, I assure you. Oh. Will he? said Sir Richard in, at his driest. I'm afraid I was forgetting bit, Piers. So yeah, so quite a clear indication there that he's, um, he, his feelings for her have, have changed and... Um, he sort of wishes that he she wasn't so still so hung up on Piers. And her little black blush blush as well betrays yeah. her a little bit as well, doesn't it? Yeah, but it is interesting that she she does just stick to this idea that she wants to find Piers. And that's her plan. Yeah, but I think that is explained later on where yes. she can't yeah, even a nice bit there. she can't even under, she, she wouldn't even think that Sir Richard would think of her that way because she sort of sees him as this uh this you know, it's like the older man and this, um, yeah. this paragon almost, and, and she's just a silly girl. Yeah, well, I th- but I think as soon as um, as soon as it's clear that the peers' plan isn't going to work out because he's with Miss Daubeny, at that point he's he's kind of got the freedom to to know. All right, okay, I can crack on here. I, I don't need to worry that I'm getting in the way of a genuine love affair between two people who are equally into it. So there's a point where. He's saying to her, you cannot get involved in the elopement between peers. Okay, I'm not allowing it. And she says, you may do as you choose, but you have no right to tell me what I must do or must not do. It is not in the least your affair. It is going to be very much my affair, replied Sir Richard. I don't understand what you can possibly mean by saying anything so silly. I dare say you don't, but you will. So he's already, at this point, he's like, you're going to be my wife. Yeah. This is happening. No, so, I mean, he doesn't, say anything I, I I think that he knows or he suspects fairly early on that she's going to be disappointed in Pierce. Yeah. so even yeah. before he meets him or realises that he's got this uh, um, he's already got this attachment um, 
to Miss to Lydia, um, he he, he said something earlier on, like you know, it, it's been five years, people sort of trying to get her to realise that people change in that mm. time and not to hang too much on it, um, yeah. and 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 clearly has the um, hopes that she when she meets him she'll be disillusioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of the outcomes, I suppose, of uh, Penn meeting up with Piers again is that Piers is, of course, rather scandalised that she's been travelling across the country with Sir Richard. Um, and that's where Sir Richard sort of makes his grand announcement, which I'll have a look at here. Ah, good morning, Mr Luttrell. I trust the uh, surprising events of last night did not rob you of sleep. A sigh of relief escaped Penn. With Sir Richard's entrance, the reeling world seemed miraculously to have righted itself. She left the window seat and went instinctively towards him. Sir Piers, sir, Piers says, Piers thinks. She stopped and raised her hand to her burning cheek. Sir Richard looked at Piers with slightly raised brows. Well, he said gently, what does Piers say and think? Mr Luttrell got up. Under that ironical, tolerant gaze, he too began to blush. I only said... I only wondered how Penn comes to be travelling in your company. Sir Richard unfobbed his snuff-box and took a pinch. And does no explanation offer itself to you? he inquired. Well, sir, I must, seem, it's, I must say, it seems to me... I mean, perhaps I should have told you, said Sir Richard, drawing Penn's hand through his arm and holding it rather firmly, that you are addressing the future Lady Wyndham. The hand twitched in Sir Richard's, but in obedience to the warning pressure of his fingers, Miss Creed remained silent. That was an exciting bit. I was. I don't think I was entirely convinced he was going to do that. I think he. I thought, oh, he could have come up with some sort of story, but no, he went right no. in there with it. But it's difficult. I think mm. it would be difficult to come up with anything that wouldn't sh- make. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Piers was going to be shocked, wasn't he? And um, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm not sure what choice he had there. But then it was almost disastrous to do that, wasn't it? In terms of Pen, how Pen perceived that. Um, Mm. Uh, that announcement and then so when they get a chance to speak about it and then you get the, oh, yeah. his declaration he basically mm. tells her we are going to be married I, I love you and um and then she just thinks that he's just mm. being he's obliged to do it and he's just being chivalrous Yes, definitely. And I think there's a bit of insecurity about age in there as well, isn't it? That you hear a few hints yeah. out through the book that he worries he's too old for her. Yeah. I see. Yeah, so you get this bit. So, um, Pen, will you stop talking nonsense? I'm not in the least chivalrous, my dear. You may ask my sister and she will tell you that I'm the most selfish creature alive and I never do anything to please anyone but myself. That I know to be untrue, Pen said. If your sister thinks it, she doesn't know you, and I am not talking nonsense. Piers was shocked to find me with you, and you did think he had reason, or you would not have said what you did. Oh, yes, he responded. I am well aware that what the world would think of his escapade. But believe me, my little love, I don't offer marriage from motives of chivalry. To be plain with you, I started on this adventure because I was drunk, and because I was bored, and because I thought I had to do something which was distasteful to me. I stayed in it because I found myself enjoying it as I have not enjoyed anything for years. You did not enjoy the stagecoach, she reminded him. No, but we need not make a practice of travelling by stagecoach, need we? He said, smiling down at her. Briefly, Pen, when I met you, I was about to contract a marriage of convenience. 
Within 12 hours of making your acquaintance, I knew no matter what might happen, I would not contract that marriage. Within 24 hours, my dear, I knew that I had found what I had come to believe did not exist. What was that? She asked shyly. His smile was a little twisted. A woman? No. A chit of a girl. An impertinent, atrocious, audacious brat whom I am very sure I cannot live without. Mm. Oh, and then however much he says that, she still doesn't believe him. And oh, it's um, it's really quite sad because she thinks he's saying all these things just because he has to, which is a bit silly, really. But <laughs> Yeah, she comes up with all these arguments, doesn't she? He says, um, it is true that having embroiled you in the situation, I ought in honour to offer you the protection of my name, but I'm offering you my heart, Pen. She searched feverishly for her handkerchief and mopped her brimming eyes with it. Oh, I do thank you, she said in her muffled voice. You have such beautiful manners, sir. So she thinks this is a little bit down to manners. And then she says, I'm too young for you, said Pen unsteadily. I dare say you think I'm amusing. In fact, I know you do, for you're forever laughing at me. But you would very soon grow tired of laughing and, and perhaps be sorry that you had married me. I'm never tired of laughing. Please do not say more, she implored. And then it goes on to say, she did not understand him, and so said nothing. Not until Piers had showed her a shocked face, and so Richard had claimed her as his prospective wife, had she questioned her own heart. So Richard had been merely her delightful travelling companion, an immensely superior personage on whom one could place one's dependence. The object of her journey had obsessed her thoughts to such a degree that she had never paused to ask herself whether the entrance into her life of a Corinthian had not altered the whole complexion of her adventure. But it had. And when she had encountered Piers, it had been suddenly borne in upon her that she did not care two pins for him. The Corinthian had ousted him from her mind and heart. Then Piers had turned the adventure into a faintly sordid intrigue, and Sir Richard had made his declaration, not because he had wanted to, for if he had, why should he have held his tongue till then? But because honour had forced the words out of him. It was absurd to think a man of fashion, nearing his thirtieth year, could have fallen head over heels in love with a miss scarcely out of the schoolroom however easily the miss might have tumbled into love with him. Very well, Miss Creed, said Sir Richard. I will woo you in form and according to all the dictates of convention. So, yeah, that kind of sense that she just she cannot imagine someone like him wanting to be with her. Well, th- then you get the entrance of um, oh, yeah. Cedric um, Brandon, who, uh, so so he... It sort of, he sort of in- interrupts that, um, that those thoughts and it comes into the scene and he sort of... Um, mm-hmm. however fun he is um, he, he sort of consolidates those thoughts in her head because she, he makes comments like mm. um, oh, you've got to marry her sort of thing yeah. and oh what are you thinking she's only 17 those those, those thoughts that she's already having she he, um, reiterates I guess and, and makes her feel makes her feel worse which is why she decides to run and leaves behind an absolutely heartbreaking goodbye note oh my goodness yeah I mean short and sweet as well which I appreciate um my dear Richard Penn had written this is to say goodbye to you and to thank you very much for your kindness I've made up my mind to return to Aunt Almeria for the notion of our being obliged to marry is preposterous I shall tell her some tale that will satisfy her dear sir it was truly a splendid adventure your very obliged servant Penelope Creed p.s I will send back your cravats and the cloak bag and indeed I thank you dear Richard and then oh it says Cedric watching his friend's rigid face dragged himself out of his chair and lounged across to lay a hand on Sir Richard's shoulder look you two boy now what is it so he he gets all kind of 
you know, shocked. It obviously has a massive effect on Richard, doesn't it, reading that? Yeah, yeah. But then enter Lady Luttrell. Yes. Who is a fantastic character. Um, mm. Has a good conversation with Richard. Makes him see that he just needs to, you know, take take matters into his own hands and um, make, make her see that he's in love with her. Well, yeah, I think her advice basically boiled down to, you should have kissed her. And I think his his answer was very yeah. sensible. He's sort of, she was under my protection. I can't just <laughs> yeah. try it on. Yes, but she does mm. see that. I think she sees that he couldn't have done anything else, but 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 wants to make him yeah. see from Penn's point of view, um, it, what why she why that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe not for the right thing to do, but um, why Penn would react like that? Yes, I mean maybe once she was on the scene. And he declared his love. Maybe that's when you put the snog in. That that would have been a good time for him to to try it on. Yeah. But hey. So he then um, goes off mm. and and to try and chase her down and finds her. And then they they have a kiss on the on the highway with lots of people watching with him. Yeah. <laughs> Pen dressed as a boy and. Yeah, that must have been surprising. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think that that last bit isn't as romantic for me as some of the preceding bits, but it is still nice. So let's have a look. There was an expression in Sir Richard's eyes, which brought the colour rushing into her cheeks again and made her feel as though the world were, were whirling madly around her. Behind her, the guard, having let up the steps and shut the door, climbed, grumbling, onto the roof again. The coach began to move ponderously forward. Pen paid no heed to it, though the wheels almost brushed her coat. Richard, you, you don't want me. You can't want me, she said uncertainly. My darling, he said. Oh, my precious, foolish little love. The coach lumbered on down the road. As it reached the next bend, the roof passengers, looking back curiously to see the last of a very odd couple, experienced a shock that made one of them nearly lose his balance. The golden-haired stripling was locked in the Corinthian's arms, being ruthlessly kissed. Lorks are mussy on us. Whatever is the world are coming to? gasped the roof passenger, recovering his seat. I never did in all my born days. Richard, Richard, they can see us from the coach, expostulated Penn between tears and laughter. Let them see, said the Corinthian. Um, so yeah, lovely. I don't suppose he'll let her out of his sight for a while now. I like the idea that, that he will sort of woo her a little bit properly before the wedding. Yeah, so we think he'll take her back to Lady Luttrell. Um Yeah, or maybe some, a member of his own family. Yeah, she does say you can bring him back to me, doesn't she? So yeah, um, yeah, and then they get married, and it's lovely, lovely uh, romance. Um, yeah, she'll drag him into some adventures. Mm. He'll be happy about it. Yeah. So should we? So should we talk a bit about some of our secondary characters? Yes, please. And the good and the bad. So mm. what do we think of our villain? Um, Beverly Brandon. Oh yeah, I think he's a bit of a disappointing, um, a disappointing bit, and almost like he's not. He hasn't even got the in, the intelligence of some of our other yeah. villains, does he? Like um, Bo Lavender, or you know, some of the yes. other ones that we've we've got. He's not frightening in any way. No, and no charm. No, the, you know, with some of them, you no. get well. There's a little bit of charm there at least, um, but he's just horrible. Yeah, there's a, there's a passage that describes weak. his attitude. Yeah, he is weak. There's there's a passage that describes his attitude to money, um, because 
at some point, Richard knows what's going on with the diamond necklace theft, knows that Beverly Brandon's behind it and says, look, I'll sort this out and I will bail you out of debt so that you don't need to go ahead with this silly plan. And this is about Beverly now. He was not in the least grateful to Sir Richard for promising to pay his debts. He certainly wished to silence his more rapacious creditors, but he would have considered it a stupid waste of money to settle any bill which could possibly be held over to some later date. Moreover, the mere payment of his debts would not line his pockets, and it was hard to see how he was to continue to support life in the manner to which he was accustomed. So he doesn't even get, like... Yeah. There is no reason that Richard would be obliged to bail him out, but he's willing to. And there's not there's not even gratitude towards him. No, no. Oh. there's no there's no redeeming features to this guy. Um, no, I mean he's also not evil enough. I think glad he's dead, but yeah, he, he's bad. Bad um, through and through. He's a bad. Um, in contrast, though, Cedric Brandon, his brother, oh. Beverly's brother, that is, he's a great character. So much charm. I like <laughs> at the beginning. He he just warns Sir Richard away. He says, um. Yeah, just run, run, dear boy, isn't it? I'm very, I'm very sober now, but I shan't be for long. But I shan't be so for long. Don't give me a grope, dear old boy. Don't give Bev a grope. He's a bad man. Now, when I'm sober, I'm a good man. But I ain't sober above six hours out of the twenty-four. So you be warned. Now I'm off. I've done my best for you, for I like you, Ricky. But if you go to perdition in spite of me, I'll wash my hands of you. No, dammy, I'll sponge on you for the rest of my days. Think, dear boy, think. Bevan, you're very obedient on your doorstep, six days out of seven. Duns, threats, wife's brothers are done up. Pockets to let, wife in tears, nothing to do but pay. Don't do it. Fact is, we ain't worth it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I love that. That's just like, our family is awful. Do not marry into it. And my sister's awful. Yeah. I do like the bit also where he meets, so um he meets lady luttrell so they're they're all mm. in the inn together and at yeah top of about he bowed i'm at your service ma'am permit me to present a mr brandon so this sorry this is richard saying this he bowed mm. i'm at your service ma'am permit me to present mr brandon to you she looked quickly at cedric oh i thought your face familiar sir i hardly know what to say to you except i am more deeply distressed than i am well able to express to you cedric looked startled Nothing to be distressed about on my account, ma'am. Nothing in the world. Must beg your ladyship pardon to excuse my appearance. The fact is, these early hours, you know, put a man out. Lady Luttrell refers, I apprehend, to Sir Beverly's, <laughs> to Beverly's death, said Richard dryly. Bev? Oh, of course, yes. Shocking affair. Never more surprised in my life. <laughs> I love that. That he thinks that she's... A, that she thinks he look, he's just distressed at his appearance. <laughs> no, no, you've just... Your brother has just been killed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's actually not that surprised about Bev's death either. He seems like a man who had something coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. One other person I think deserves an honourable mention is Lady Wyndham. She's only in it at the very beginning of the story. Um, I would have loved her to come back at some point. But... Haya gives her a classic dowager description. One of her best, I think. A widow of ten years standing, Lady Wyndham enjoyed the frailest of health. The merest hint of opposition was too much for the delicate state of her nerves, and anyone observing her handkerchief, her vinaigrette, and the heart's horn, which she usually kept by her, would have had to be stupid indeed to have failed to appreciate their sinister message. I love the idea that these accoutrements of the invalid dowager are weapons. Yeah. 
But that's that's true. I think that's true of a lot of our dowagers. Yeah, in, in Hayes, isn't it? That it's um, that they, their weapon is the, the yes, the, the um, you're getting the spell of sorts out. It's like, oh my goodness, this is mm. going to be bad. Mm. So overall, then, did you enjoy it, Rach? I really enjoyed it. It was um, a, cl- a classic, I think. Yeah, really solid. Yeah, light as a feather. Yeah, it, great characters. Yeah, exactly. Fun, fun, fun. Classic hair. Classic. So, Sue, what are we going to read next? Lady of Quality. Okay. One of the bath ones. Any initial reactions? Um, I don't think this is one of my favourites, but I'm willing to um, be, uh, my mind to be changed. Yes, that's a good attitude. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I don't remember what it was that I didn't particularly enjoy. So in a lot of ones where I, it's just kind of a hazy or I'm not sure I like that, on a closer reading, on a second reading, I do enjoy them more. We'll read it with open minds. So yes, we will see if Lady of Quality um, is something that, that, that we will revise our opinion on. <laughs> We've got the haziest recollection of this book possible, so <laughs> I don't I don't think we should lay out any expectations, really. Um Okay, brilliant. In that case, thanks for listening. Um, Do please keep doing your reviews and uh, getting in touch on social media. We really love it. Um, Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.